are you doing things, you, you citizen? Um, and that's transparent. We want transparency into your, and as I think Matt said, it's like, we're trying to get even into your thoughts. Like, can we have transparency? What are you thinking? Yeah, um, that, that's really creepy and interesting. And um, maybe we can go back into that again, but we're, we're here on Wednesday morning. It is August 23rd and it's a bonus solid ground live stream. Nice to see you guys out of context or maybe in the same context out of time. And Benjamin's joining us. We were going to talk about uh, a launch from a little bit what's going on right now with Benjamin's channel. So he um, had a, a video up that talked about things that are apparently still untouchable and then got a strike and has been suspended for a period of time and can't post any videos to his YouTube channel. And it's, I think it's very interesting what is untouchable and what is like, it feels I don't know. There's a part of me that wants to talk about they and what they want and, you know, who's controlling this, but there is a they, because there's a they that decides that this discourse is not acceptable. And in this case, it's whatever tech platform is, is censoring or hosting your content. And when you, when you go straight too far into one area, you get your wrist slapped and you're, and you get punished. And it's, it's an, a powerful disincentive to continue to talk about certain things because it silences your entire process. But then there's other things that we can talk about that there are some, there's some, no, don't go there. But then you, you feel like you, well, we keep going there and it keeps being okay. So what's going on there? Are we being sort of channeled by the tech companies here? Don't talk about these things is, is kind of like a reverse psychology sort of thing. Like, okay, go talk about these things. Cause that distracts you from talking about these other things. Am I going uh, all over the place with this? I didn't quite understand the last bit you said about um, being encouraged to go to different places. Do you want flesh that out again? Yeah, so like Are Benjamin's channel. about gender? Yeah, you talk a lot about gender. Yeah. And so you have Helen Joyce and Jordan Peterson having a conversation about uh, transgenderism and the medicalization specifically of youth, I believe, and that was taken down by YouTube because it's hate speech. So what, what's hate speech? What I got dinged for was public health and safety. And it turns out that my timing was either right on the nose or right off because now we have a resurgence of media concern for a uh, particular sort of a public health um, issue. And I happen to have covered some of the products that were designed to uh, ostensibly to, to fix that issue. But so you, so if if we if we have to avoid hate speech what is hate speech hate speech is probably targeted at a person or a group of people if we have to if we have to watch out for public health and safety then that's questioning the experts questioning the authorities so what happens when the same people decide who the hate who you can't hate on and who you can hate on because you can certainly hate on certain groups and you certainly can't hate on certain other groups. You can just look at the language for different racial groups and some words are okay and some words are not okay. And then those same people are deciding what you can and cannot say when criticizing the authorities that be uh, with regards how do they control maybe the, you know, certain wars, uh, certain uh, political protest events, some of which are hallowed, some of which are, are the opposite of hallowed or absolutely beyond the pale. Um, and it's all the same people telling us what we can and can't do. So Leslie, what you're saying is that they're okay with us 
fighting over gender and fighting to a certain degree over these hate speech things or like freedom of speech things or classical liberal values maybe but when it gets into actually questioning certain mechanisms of control or certain you know certain parts of what they're doing then we can't talk about that and so you're saying that there might be some sort of intentional uh choice going on in in the censorship that, I mean, that's that's the question that comes to my mind. And and maybe I should, I, I wish I had my tinfoil hat still handy because I could wear that <laughs> as I say this. But it does kind of have that feel to it. Like, uh, you know, don't go over there and uh, you don't throw me in the briar patch, you know, don't. And so we go into, and genders this briar patch where we're, we're, we're in there and we're talking about it and, and the race stuff. I mean, we, we hear, we can't, we hear the phrase, these are things we can't talk about, but clearly we can and do talk about them a lot. People are embroiled in this, this fight and this discussion culturally. But as we're doing more and more of that, the, the focus is coming off of the medical and governmental authoritarianism that, that occurred for a couple of years here or all over the place, really. And we're focusing less and less on that. And now they're starting to ramp back up some of their rhetoric. And we're seeing things like what happened with Benjamin's channel. Like you go into that. Nope, nope, nope. You get like a cattle prod shock. Nope. You go back to the other controversy that you were talking about before. And I don't know. Is there, is there, a, is there a sort of connection between um, the, is there a synergy almost between the precedent set by COVID and by the big pharmaceutical companies you know medically looking to challenge people who would somehow speak out against the vaccines are we seeing it as as the trans issue does also now even the fact that you mentioned their products benjamin there are products here that the there are big powers powerful healthcare influential figures who want to crack down on that is that why do you think this issue has become like that it was a precedent maybe set by what happened sort of during the COVID outbreak with the pharmaceutical companies trying to control narratives and what people talk about and then this does this feel similar i don't know it feels i don't i don't i've never seen anybody get banned for talking about endocrinology banned about you can if you're talking uh I, there's this one very spicy youtuber called mr medicare and he did a video series called how the sausage is made which is so incredibly graphic it's a very incredibly graphic look at the uh you know phalloplasty uh so-called bottom surgery it's like okay what, what does bottom surgery mean and his his uh his take on it or his uh approach to it is completely acidic completely snarky mm. there's no respect whatsoever he does not respect people that do this to themselves and he does not do uh, respect people who do this to the other uh to others and he does not respect whatsoever the entire infrastructure of politeness that allows this to be uh caused to be acceptable but he got he gets pushed out he got put off of youtube for that because it was super duper graphic right it was like actual photos of surgeries um with his commentary which is frankly hilarious if if not sickening so so you have to go over to other video sites to see that but i don't see anybody getting banned just for talking about how estrogen affects male bodies or how testosterone affects male bodies in the same way that you see how um how how do we say it without saying it? How uh, genetically re-engineering our bodies according to current medical science in order to save us from certain viruses is being banned. Like you can't talk about that because that's a public health and safety issue. 
it's not a public health and safety issue, I guess, to of the same caliber to talk openly about the costs and benefit analysis of a phalloplasty. Deborah, how does that tie into that Mount Taibbi um, quote you were reading? I don't know. I don't know if they are entirely linked. I'm just, it's just fascinating to me that this, this narrative, like they, they want to hold this narrative so tight. Like this is the biggest control. I mean, we see what kind of happens on the trans issue, but there's just something about this particular um, health, public health related thing that it just seems like, like the powers that be. I don't know. Did you? Might maybe I'm miss saying this. I thought either someone said or I saw that even when they make um, little notices under tweets or something like that or on YouTube's that won't they say something about like either either the CDC or who WHO? Like that's what they're using for their sources of information. I don't know if I'm mm. imagining that or is no, that no, no, no. on the video we got banned. It, it um, Google said learn the latest. Public yeah, so they're referring about... people to those sources that we know are inaccurate. Um, it's the, it, I don't know, there's something very tight on this. I mean, there's all these control mechanisms, they're all concerning, but something is very um, mm -hmm. massively rigid on, on this particular topic. And we, I mean, there's so many different parties that could be um, weighing in on that. Um, but it, we're even seeing just with, with even masks, like there's been starting to be this little fear here, like, ah. Oh, are those coming back? Mm. Um, so I don't know if they're, I'm seeing more resistance. I mean, I'm seeing people, I've seen a lot of do not comply going around on Twitter. <laughs> mm. um, so that didn't really answer your question. I don't know the, I just brought it up when we did bring it up before because we had the one hand um, censoring people. And I guess this, how do we know whether to censor them? It seems like there's more, um, manpower effort being put into not let's say they say we're not trusting maybe the government the government is not trusting the people like there's just way more mistrust of people and therefore this is reason to be able to um remove pr typical privacy concerns um to be investigating things if there is a research purpose for it um the thing that Matt said was interesting was we're only letting the researchers get into your privacy. We're not giving all citizens the right to get into other people's privacy. So that was interesting. It's not an equal opportunity um, privacy violation. What, what's the context for this? Who, what researchers, researchers into what? Um, Matt, let's see. I don't know if I have the exact thing. Um, he, this was, he was discovering, starting, he started to see this change in the use of the word transparency um, as he was working on the Twitter files. And um, it was coming up in documents like, um, like the Aspen Institute put out something up called um, information discord recommendations to increase transparency. But the transparency was like, what are you people up to? You know, mm. what is that right wing group, you know, or, or whoever, right? What are they doing? Um, it just illustrates the distortion of our governmental process right now, because if democracy is supposed to be government by the people, then the government should be us and not turning on us and looking at us with suspicion. Yep. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Well, even if something oh, came how, out of. Oh, go ahead. How can how, how can the government actually trust the people? Why should it? Yeah. Why should it trust the people? Mm -hmm. But it's not an effective way of controlling people to trust. 
I mean, so what you do is, uh, at least in a liberal democracy, what you do is the government figures out if they can educate the people to vote in the government's interests. Uh, that's the way. So you either control people through force or control people through thought. And in a so-called liberal democracy, thought controls the order of the day. You pressure people, you nudge people uh, to think this way, to not think that way. You know, it, it's kind of, it's, I think it's more disrespectful than just, you don't have a choice. This is what's happening. And we've decided that you don't have a choice. Um, barrel of the gun kind of style. But we live in this kind of veneer. You know, it's like, what well, it's like a gorilla fist in a velvet glove kind of thing. Benjamin, you think it's more disrespectful than just sort of using brute force because the government and that's in this situation is actually sort of trying to get inside your head and reshape your thinking. Well, which, which feels ickier to you? Definitely getting inside my head for me. Yeah. yeah. That's what, for me, that's what feels the most intrusive. I was just wondering if that was the point you were making. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess it's a toss up because if you think about all of the restrictions that they put on air travel after nine 11, I guess we're allowed to talk about this. And I'm sure if YouTube and social media was around during this switch from, you know, just get on the airplane and go and trust that nobody else is going to blow it up to, we're going to have complete control over the amount of fluid that you can bring in your bag. Like a lot of people would have done a lot of outcry about that. And you probably wouldn't have been able to talk about that. Um, but I don't know what, what's more intrusive. The uh, I mean, what's what's more psychologically harmful? You're getting in this queue. You're acting like a cattle. Remember when they had you stand? They first had you stand in these like scanner things, and you raise up your arms and stuff, yeah. and spread your legs. It was so violating, so violent. It's like okay, you, I'm just going to expose myself to you now. I'm just a body to you now. So that's coercive. That's physically coercive, I feel like. So it's yeah. it's like, uh, I don't see, there's not such a clear line between barrel of the gun, like pure violence and thought control. Like there's all this gray area between controlling your body and controlling your mind. And especially yeah. with something like a uh, product that is meant to save you from a, uh, uh, a natural disaster that you're supposed to put into your body. They, they have to, you know, convince you with fries and donuts and a bunch of pressures to get it into your body. So they want to control your body, but they have to control your mind at the same time. So it's like doubly invasive, you know, even, even how it gets into your body. It's like this penetrating will that, you know, descending from this great faceless corporation that doesn't have any accountability apparently. Here in the chat, David Moore says, first, a psychological operation to implant false beliefs and fears. And yeah, I mean, people clamor for the, <clears throat> the controls when they're afraid. Yeah, speaking of that, I posted today on the forum, um, my, what is his name, Matt, another Matt Orfaleo put together this video of um, the, the way they pushed that the fatality rate was 3.4%. And all these times that Trump was saying, no, it's not, it's less than, one, you know, whatever. And, and all the talking heads saying, he's so wrong, this is dangerous, it's, it's just his hunch, right? And, and over time, you start seeing the, like, Jay Bhattacharya or John Ioannidis, or however you say his name, like, getting closer, like, no, it's like 0.2% or whatever, right? But you could see just all the heads saying, it's lying, and this and that. And so that was one of those things that really frightened people. Um, sorry, I shouldn't really go off onto propaganda right now, but um, mm. 
that just was really striking to see the compilation of the, the messaging hmm. um, that was going out. But back to this other thing about privacy, it's like this general issue of, we see all the places of this, these boundaries dissolving. I mean, the boundaries of what your school can be telling your kids and what your, now the government, you know, can be coming into your, your private conversations or something like that. I mean, wasn't that what, you know, like Snowden was, I mean, these things that people were revealing um, were going on. And I think maybe in the past, I don't know, might, I might've entertained, maybe there were some credible threats. I don't know. Now I'm just sort of like, wait a minute, people are just sitting having their own private thoughts or musings about situations that there's a lot of uncertainty. We're all trying to make some sense out of them. And now that's subject to hmm. prying and potential punishment. Yeah. Just don't mention anything about energy weapons on a South Pacific island. It will be fine. <laughs> I was just thinking about the cattle prod analogy. And I was just thinking like, uh, it's almost like a line of cattle in which uh, a cattle prod is being like pushed onto a, cow, a member of that line of cattle and the rest of the cattle look on and have no idea why that particular cattle was was picked you know like as in Benjamin are you sure totally sure why it is that your YouTube channel has come down or, or or do people know why it is the powers that be are selecting them but there's all these all these YouTubers that look on and, and know about this and and wonder what it is and the working isn't being explained so it's the psychological pressure of of kind of just not knowing what our, what our captors are going to do with us. And that's even worse because they don't show they're working, do they? No, no. I mean, I, I have a pretty good guess that it was talking about the specifics of how a certain product works. Um, and then, you know, it's just, you're not allowed to do that for public health safety. It was in the context of like, who gets to decide what's public health and why are they keeping it secret? Why is this secret? Why can't we talk about this thing? And then, like, no, you can't talk about it. So, um, and I should have known better, but I also think that the censorship around that issue might be ramping up because it looks like they want that thing to happen again. But I don't know. But you don't know. You don't know. And so you're always like, and when you when you fill out your little video thing, if you want to play ads on it, they have all these different categories like hate speech, harmful practices, dishonesty, you know, and then there's like different tiers to each one of these things to see if it's, you know, advertiser friendly, vulgarity, sexual sexuality, or, you know, intimacy, sexuality. So you can talk about a relationship, you can talk about having sex, but you can't talk about like, you, there's so there's a line between talking about sex and then talking about sex that is advertiser friendly advertiser friendly mm -hmm. and not you know um there's like this graphic line and they can kind of like choose where it is but you also see changes over time with regard to language so if you say the f-bomb or probably we well, can't say any uh racial or uh, i guess homophobic slurs um, you're not supposed to say that stuff that will get you dinged. Um, the F word or the N word are bad. Um, but like F U C K or like, like, you know, shit, damn fuck asshole, stuff like that. You, you're fine to say that, but just not in the first 20 or 30 seconds, but it used to be at all, but then they changed it to the first 90 seconds. So, so language itself, which is perfectly harmless to the regime is more about advertiser friendliness that's changing and evolving over time over what's acceptable, what's not acceptable speech just on the very linguistic level not just like in the high higher theoretical realm of exploring certain topics 
Yeah. So you're getting from two sides then, right? Yeah, you get like government pressuring on YouTube or whatever, and then the advertisers with increasingly, you know, they have woke sensibilities or whatever, right? Um, or then I can't be, it's radioactive. I can't be near such and such. But is there any is there any sort of validity to the argument of like oh well it's YouTube is the is almost the company and you're just like you're a content creator so you know like YouTube yeah. can do that I don't like uh. I think so I think I think it's perfectly fair it's it, there's a pro there's a slight problem between being uh, like a restaurant on the side of the road and the road. And it seems like Google and Apple and Facebook to a certain extent, um, Zoom too. And Zoom is, I think, apparently changing their certain uh, terms of service to say what they're going to do with everything that you use their platform to do. Um, you know, there's a certain like there's a there's a fuzzy distinction between whether I'm on their public property or, you know, it's like the, I'm in a public place, but it's private property like a restaurant. Um, or are they the road themselves and, and who polices the road and what is allowed to be said or not said on the road? So with regard to just the internet itself and having my own server with my own videos on my server, I don't know how many people can access it. I don't know how many people can even find it. Um, it's all got to be word of mouth. So I have to use Twitter. I have to use Google to get people to be aware of my little rinky dink site. Um, so they are the road in in a certain sense but because you know they inhabit such a kind of fuzzy domain they get to choose um what they can and cannot do and so i don't know i don't think there's been any legal precedent and to be fair censorship has drastically um calmed down since 2020 um election it peaked around january 6 was the most censorious time comments left and right were being deleted like you could, channels were just just being disappeared all over the place and they've since calmed down um on certain fronts but i guess this particular front that i crossed is still a live wire jacob peters in the chat says what's more disturbing than the powers that be censoring is how many people celebrate censorship and shutting down any form of discourse it all seems to hinge on the notion of preventing harm in quotes mm -hmm. Amen to that. I do find it disturbing. I heard someone making the case that now really these, you know, forums that we have on tech, like YouTube and Twitter, that these are now in our modern life, this is sort of our um, public square. And that if you ban someone, you're then essentially saying only certain people with certain views have access to a public square. And I think that's really interesting and you know for the most part i agree with that i think that hmm. for me the only first off i don't believe in hate speech laws because who gets to determine what hate speech is and <laughs> who gets to say Too what subjective to yeah very subjective and it tends to lead to protected groups and other groups you can you know completely target um but um I totally lost my train of thought. That's my first public senior moment. So that's good. Uh, you, yeah, uh, hate speech. You don't you don't personally believe in hate speech laws. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Thank you, Benjamin. Um, I was thinking about 
um, for me, the thing that I could think would be completely fair to censor is if somebody was trying to whip the public into a frenzy in order to commit a specific violent act. I think that would be fair. Um, barring that, I'm, I'm not sure. I would err on the side of um, caution with restricting people's speech. And I think in the case of talking about um, you know, different medical illnesses and the value of treatment or the dangers of treatment, to me, it seems fair to let people speak their minds and then have people listen to different points of view and make their own informed decision. I don't really believe in blocking people from information and there is disagreement amongst doctors about how to treat various conditions. And I guess I, it, yeah, it all it, it all ties together with the transparency thing that Deborah was. Yeah, that's right. It does. Yeah, it's suddenly looking into our lives and requiring that our lives have transparency. And what are you doing? And what are you thinking? It's kind of like in England, somebody posted a comment online. I think it was a comment that was um, interpreted to be anti-trans, and the police showed up at the person's door, and they literally said, "We're here to check your thinking." <laughs> <laughs> which oh my is gosh. very really which is quite yeah yeah it's quite Orwellian and frightening and there were quite a few cases of that uh, somebody posted you know pretty benign and what you know five minutes ago everybody would have agreed to that you know a man is a man and a woman is a woman and the next thing you know you have the police um either calling you or showing up at your house to say, hey, that's hate speech and you can't do it. And um, for a while, I don't know if they're still doing this because I think there was some pushback. People would get charged with, they would decide, okay, this wasn't a hate crime, but we're charging you and it goes on your record with a non-hate incident. Yeah. Which who wants Kelly that Jane sitting Keen, on their record? Kelly Jane Keene got a visitation for being untoward toward pedophiles. Isn't there, talks, I don't know if it's- I don't know if in Ireland or in the UK, there was, I don't know if this did go through, but there was this thing that if you even had on your phone, say you had some memes or some joke about something <laughs> and you hadn't even done anything with it, but like, I don't know if you ever had to have intent to share or, but like, are you seriously going to go, like someone's got some stupid frog, I don't know, like thing on their phone, like. Uh, I still have the okay emoji on my phone. I haven't uh -oh. been able to <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. It's a dog whistle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Jennifer, something you said I wanted to go back to when you said there one thing you'd be you would support some censorship around is if someone were trying to whip the public into a frenzy around committing a particular violent act. And I I I wanted to kind of explore that a little bit because I it feels like what's happening in a lot of these areas is a whipping up into a frenzy, but more diffusely. So, yeah. you know, what we're seeing with, um, with gender, especially like in the curriculum we've seen for kids, we see this, like these lessons that specifically tell kids how to be an ally and try to instill in them a sense of indignation and, um, like protect the victim. It's like calling this, this part of you that wants to be a savior and a protector, and they get encouraged to do this and encouraged to think about certain groups as being victims and as being, um, you know, somebody that you need to go and care for. 
and that's a whipping up and into a frenzy. I feel like there's, there's that, but that's more diffuse. So how do you distinguish between those things and, and what's the difference? I know that's a great question. And I think <laughs> this is me um, kind of looking at it probably a little bit through the lens of a therapist, because it's like, you can sit with a client and they can talk to you in sort of vague general terms about, um, you know, wishing their life was over. But if they start telling you that they actually have intent and a plan, then at that point, you can legally intervene. You can break confidentiality. And same thing if somebody says, I am going to go home and I am going to kill my mother or kill my brother. Mm -hmm. You can intervene. So I think if there was a group of people online saying, let's go bomb this church, you know, on the corner of 8th and Frederick, I think you can intervene. Mm -hmm. So the level of specificity. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not saying that I'm not overlooking something. That's sort of my first um, instinct about that, about where it would be completely fair. And I think not, you know, authoritarianly um, censorious to intervene in that. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that there's what's happening in the schools with um, the material that is being shown to kids. Um, some of it, I would say, I, I consider to be a form of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And that there should be intervention there. I, I don't think you have those kind of conversations with young children where you're talking to them. Because we I mean, you know this is in some curriculums in schools because people save the receipts and it gets posted and they're having, you know, outrageous things being taught to them at young ages about specific sex acts or telling children um, as young as kindergarten that only you, the doctor guessed when you were born, <laughs> what gender you are and only you really know the level of confusion that that can cause, I, that can cause absolute lifelong damage. And I 100% don't believe it should be allowed. Is that well, more of a free market thing? Yeah, I guess who draws the line? Yeah, I know that's the question, right? Do you get to draw the line, Jen? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, in my own life, I'm really glad my stepkids are grown. Um, but I, I wouldn't send a kid to a school that was doing that. I know that. I would not. Absolutely not. Um, You know, I don't know. I think in a way the taxpayers should draw the line and parents should draw the line and say, we're not going to, we're not gonna fund schools that are doing this. These are our tax dollars, the public schools, and we're not putting up with this and they should push back and some parents are, and I hope that they win. Because I just, I don't think that's the job. I don't think that's the job of the school to be doing that. Mm. You know, maybe uh, I'm, I'm kind of jumping a little bit here, but something when we're talking about the, is it the public square or are you, are you using a private company's platform in order to speak about things and how much control that company should have over the kind of things that you're saying on their platform? I think that's a really interesting, messy space. Um, yeah. You know, and thinking about Benjamin getting banned for the 
content that he was putting up we wonder about whether whether it's fair or right yeah. or ethical for google or youtube to censor that and and take him down but then i just this morning i was complaining about the amount of pornography on twitter i was just talking about how this really bothers me that i'm getting all these porn bots now responding to my posts and and liking things and and just set, my notifications are full of porn bots right now and it really bothers me that there's so much porn on this this site and i was kind of um ranting about it so uh what's the difference that's a good question yeah no i think the, i think these are really difficult issues somebody said that um I don't know who it was, but they were commenting because Zoom threatens to shut off. Um, what is her name again? Kelly Kelly J. Keen. They yeah, threatened. Yeah. yeah, they threatened to ban her from Zoom. Um, and so many of us <laughs> conduct business over Zoom, and that would be majorly damaging. And so somebody, this is kind of analogous to the public square argument. Somebody said, "Hey, now things like Zoom are basically." like public utilities it's like our electricity and so it would it's like the equivalent of saying well you no longer can turn your lights on or your oven on because we dislike your opinion and we dislike that you said it publicly so we're now shutting you off of utilities which i thought was a really interesting argument i think there's some validity to that so yeah it's kind of it's kind of like our you know our technology and all the gains we've made have really outpaced, I think, our ethical thought and decisions about fairness and how and about um, free speech and who gets to decide. I, I don't think we our discussions have and decisions have kept up with that. Yeah, I will say, like, I struggle with um, what do we do about because people say more speech, better speech, but there's so much like a pe person can only handle even so much information. So say there is information that actually is truly incorrect, like very incorrect, would not be good for people to follow or something like that. And I don't know, what do you do about that? Like, I don't want to be censoring things. I don't want anybody adjudicating what is true and what isn't, but you don't know whether that person is going to somehow have in their Twitter feed, some other opinions show or not, or, um, and so I don't know how you solve it, but I do sometimes I think I think sometimes that people like I'm more free speech can dismiss concerns about things that aren't true and just be like, oh, you know, but like there there are some things, you know, and so the, the volume may be what percent of everything I don't I don't know, but it's not nothing. And I don't know. But I think in that, well, just more speech like I like how much speech can a person even take in in a day? You know, yeah. like, there's, so. you know, I think there's probably different cultural perspectives too. specifically in America, you know, the bastions of free speech and the Wild West and all the cults that we've had. You can you believe whatever you want to believe. Just get off my lawn with it. And then you have all these cults doing all this crazy, wacky stuff you know, out there on their own. And that's just the grand American experiment. You plug it in the Internet. Then you have social contagions like, um, you know, the teen ROGD phenomena, where you have these girls just obsessing about being boys, whatever that means, and then going so far as to going to Planned Parenthood, and rather than getting an abortion, be on their parents' side, or rather getting 
uh, you know, hormonal birth control out of their parents' site. They actually get testosterone out of their parents' site. They just go over there, they get it. And the adults, so-called adults, are facilitating this. So you have a two-pronged social contagion there. But you have that cult, that cult dynamic that is just so much more incredibly powerful because of the internet. The question I guess you guys are bringing up is that, is there... Does it balance out? Does like the amplifying of everything through the internet balance out? Is there just the same amount of crazy? It's just more visible? Or is there more crazy and sanity, it, there's less sanity because sanity takes, you know, the crazy goes around the world twice before sanity gets his pants on, something like that. <laughs> well, that kind of comes then, back to like a content versus process argument because it's the process of, of, the way that this is being done, does that have its own, a life of its own? And and I don't know if this is what you're talking about, Leslie, but do we trust that evolutionary, you know, thinking or just th that these ideas, unstable ideas will collapse and there will be damage, but they will collapse and stable ideas will survive. And we just let the free market, we just let that the environment, the field of discourse play itself out? Or do we start to worry and try to outsmart that by clinging to certain principles and then enforcing certain principles that we see as viable because we've already gone through the process, hopefully, of figuring out that these things are stable, which is a more conservative position, um, but it's also totalitarian or controlling of other people position. Liberal democracy, hopefully, eh? Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I just thinking about the town square analogy or, or public square analogy again is like, um, it, it feels like the people that are targeted are those that by definition have influence in the public square. So the people that are targeted are already people who have a certain following already. So you and Posey Parker, people, they, you'll, be, you'll be being monitored more tightly because you have, if, if you're in a public square, you have people congregating around going, this guy's got something to say. So it's like... I, I guess it comes back to your question then do we do we if we've got too many insane voices do we put more sane in is it insane ideas need to be treated with a flux of sane ideas does it counteract does 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 bad speech get or inaccurate speech or whatever get kind of eventually overtaken by by more speech or just a more plurality of ideas I mean, people are in bubbles, though, too. I mean, that's sort of a problem, right? Because like most people are in a bubble. So even if there's a pumping out a bunch more speech algorithmically, you might not ever see it. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. True. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Got your little chat bots. Leslie, yeah, Leslie uh, is, is exp experiencing a pumping out of a whole bunch of certain type of speech that she doesn't want to have yeah. pumped at her directly. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want it pumped at me. Um, and it does seem like there's something about that that's there, maybe one of the differences, I guess it's obscenity laws. And, and also maybe there's some kind of a good faith test. Like this is this seems like it's in bad faith to to be sort of, it, it goes against the purpose of a platform that's intended for individuals to come on and express themselves individually for somebody to create like a bot farm that that gives the appearance of looking like individuals but instead just churns out advertising for itself so i don't know but that's maybe specific to that one beef that i've got 
if if it would have been solved, it would have been solved by now. That's the problem with scale. I mean, we're we're talking about things that are way beyond my pay grade with regard to running a internet site as vast and open as Twitter. So mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. you have different vectors. Like with Facebook, they wanted it more rooted in the individual, more mm-hmm. rooted in the identity, the actual identity of the person. Twitter allows for a nonce. And if you have a nonce, you have bot farms, but you also have the ability for a lot more freedom of speech or like openness of opinion by having people allowing people to wear masks. Uh, and then within the real people who are a non, you have good faith and bad faith actors mm-hmm. and somebody like Jordan Peterson, who attracts a lot of attention. He just wants to kill an anonymity because he thinks that it's a, it's just a mask for narcissism. It's a mask for some sort of personality disorder. I know plenty of anons and I interview them on occasion. I try to do what I can to keep them anon who for various different reasons, that anonymity is important to keep them in the real world uh, employed or, you know, to keep them with, in the case of like mothers and fathers of, of transitioning children to keep their children safe or to keep that relationship sacrosanct. So there's a lot of different reasons for anonymity, but anonymity means that it's not verifiable in Mm -hmm. a certain respect. This person is essentially unverifiable. And so one of the ways that Elon Musk is taking to limit that is to, uh, allow people to pay to play, which is not going to be popular because who wants to, you can be free or you can be played. So it's, there's no solution. There's only trade-offs, I think, uh, mm-hmm. following soul, especially at scale, at, at this level of scale. And so if you want to control speech at scale, which is what YouTube does, they have the AI go through, transcribe every like minute of video and it's an insane number of video that gets uploaded to this site it's insane you can't even like lifetimes per minute are being uploaded to youtube their computers are strong enough to go through and just sift that and looking for keywords and then when the keywords ping it then it goes up the chain and so i i appealed i'm like no i don't think this was endangering uh public you know consciousness or public health and Within 20 minutes, my appeal appeal was rejected. So obviously, even if a real person saw the video, they were only looking at the script that the AI pumped out for these certain keywords that were put. And then they just checked maybe some little bit of context around that and decided, no, this is, you're banned or suspended, I guess, technically for seven days or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if they had the power to do that, why would they not do it? Because they're liable to a certain extent, right? And so far as speech can harm. This comment from JC Daedalus, there should be a law that prevents automated bot, bot accounts, but that doesn't make the rich assholes money now, does it? Well, and also the amount of influence these bot accounts had on the last political election here. And we've seen how that, so it's not just about money. There's also other ways that they can astroturf and drum up a sense of consensus around certain issues so it's really quite a serious thing that i think we don't really know how to handle yet you know liberal democracy i'm with that the only problem is people are stupid and selfish and so like it's 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 a government of and by the people who are worthy of governing themselves so it's always kind of like a mexican standoff between you know the individual collective that's worthy of controlling themselves and the totalitarian uh, experts 
that are capable of controlling them. Yeah. Sounds like, Benjamin, would you say that you think, well, you didn't say that, but since you think there are some people that aren't site worthy, would that, does that allow for, or does that make an understanding of that there is an impulse, a totalitarian impulse at these sort of global levels of people wanting to control the masses? Because they might also think people are stupid, but they might just think more people are stupid than you do. Well, no, and <laughs> and one way of one way of thinking about the WEF and all the, the cabal, the globalist cabal, is that ultimately they're a bunch of people and they're idiots too. And so they're all motivated by self-interest. So eventually, like, they can't be a unified party they're all going to be kind of like the instability is there too as long as we don't give them the keys to our bank accounts which apparently they already have at least in canada jesus that's what really really worries me god that that out of everything the most because i mean if you can cut off somebody's funds you can really gain yep. control that's very frightening all of a sudden you you say something publicly or you have too large of a carbon footprint and now you can't buy food that week. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's that's why perhaps talking about ESG and the social crediting is is a really important thing to be to doing right now, really. Mm -hmm. I know we have um, some hard outs right now. Yeah. For a couple of us. So this is a short and sweet bonus live stream. We're going to go ahead and wrap up. Any final thoughts? Anybody wants to voice to cap it off? Thanks for having me. I stole your cup, Leslie. I know. I saw that. <laughs> I have. I still have the little one. I need more. You have the movement with with yeah. the yeah the Hattie Fatners. So one of you just, cute. Do one of you just reach into the to the other ones? <laughs> yeah, I know. I should, right? She should come yeah. in here with the hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> Give me back my coffee cup. Uh, uh, all right. Flying. <laughs> <laughs> well it's good to see you guys and uh yeah, thanks for we'll look forward to me. next week thanks yeah, for thanks joining for us thanks, thanks. yeah peace out mm -hmm. you guys have a good week right you too